Good morning, everyone. So my technology's not working this morning, so I get to use paper. That's going to be exciting. Nice change of pace. So uh, first, I want to thank Dale for, for getting up and saying what he had to say this morning. I think it was very timely and very needed. And Alex and some of the commentary that he's had with these songs this morning has been just really appropriate. So if you ignore my sermon, which I'm not encouraging you to do, but if you do and you come away understanding that we need to be more like Jesus, that, that it is our calling in this world to show people Jesus, then this morning has been a huge success. So pay attention to the sermon, please, uh, because I, I really think it's going to be, you know, it's, I like it, so <laughs> there's that. Uh, but otherwise, please walk away finding ways to be Jesus in our relationships and in the, in the encounters we have with the people around us. We started talking last week about wisdom and foolishness and, and kind of how we can tell the difference between those things, particularly from the book of Proverbs. And Patrick did a really good job last week saying this, wisdom is the idea of allowing God to shape us. So you are wise if when God is shaping you, you are receptive. You are foolish if when God is shaping you, you, you don't let it happen. If that's where you're at, that's a good way to kind of understand that. If you're resistant, you're foolish. And Patrick asked some probing questions that, that I've been wrestling with this week, and I hope you have as well. But what I want to do this morning is kind of take wisdom and foolishness out of this abstract place where, where wisdom is something to do with your head and, and foolishness is something to do with, the, with something and talk about, put some meat on these bones. So, so make these some, a little more practical. Bring these to life. So just for a moment, let's contextualize wisdom and foolishness. And I was thinking about how to do this. I had a couple different ideas. Uh, but this is one where I'm not an expert, and Lindsay will attest to this in just a little bit, uh, but this is, this is some wisdom that I've learned, okay? So here are things, foolish things not to do on a first date, okay? Now, I understand most of us are not in the place where we're dating. Some of us are, and, and so this, is, this might be helpful. But I think as we reflect, this might be might be helpful for us. So things not to do on a first date. The number one thing not to do on a first date is pay using only coins. <laughs> right? So I've seen tons of videos lately of people who are, who are upset with the system or upset with somebody paying with only coins. But I also see a lot of Taco Bell commercials which, which show people like digging through the couch and, and you know, if you go on a date and the first thing you say is, we're ordering off the dollar menu, you know, that, that's a weird first impression to make with somebody. So if you, if you pay with only coins, uh, that might not be the best idea. But these two aren't even on my list, and I'm just going to share them because they fit in the same vein. If you use a two-for-one coupon, not a good idea. And, and this one's just, it's important. Gift cards kind of signal the same thing. And so if you can avoid those three things on a first date, you're at least, you know, off to somewhat of a decent start. But there are three things not to say on top of that. So the second thing I want to share with you. If you say to your date on the first date, you know, you really remind me of my sister. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
bad idea. Or, girls, if you say to your, the person that you're dating and you say, hey, you really remind me of my dad. It's over. Those things, you just don't recover from that. And so, words of advice, if you're going to be foolish, you're going to say those things, but if you're going to be wise, you will avoid it. Question number three, uh, or statement number three. If you ask your date, can you, still, can you believe I'm still single? They might have said no had you not asked. They might have been thinking this, but since you asked, I think I can understand why a little bit. And so... There's some wisdom into not asking that question. This fourth one's not going to show up on the screen all that well, so I apologize for this, but here's what it is. If you say this, I guarantee you, your date's not going to be happy with you. If you say, I think it is cool that you are so relaxed about your looks. Right? Had friends do this one. So this, is, uh, this one's not the best idea in the world. So if you're doing that, if you say any of those things, if you do any of those things on a first date, I can pretty much tell you there won't be a second. And so that's free. But sometimes we just can't help it, right? Sometimes we look around. Sometimes we, we think to ourselves. Sometimes we say things, we do things that just sabotage our relationships because we are foolish, This applies to more than just dating. It it really does. We can either be wise or foolish in any relationship. And that's just the truth. Any relationship you're in, you can be wise and foolish. And frankly, we are seeing this before our very eyes in tons of different ways every day. So saying that, I want to address something really quick. We're talking about wisdom over here and foolishness over here, and it's really easy for us to think, well, that's, that's very binary. You know, there's only wisdom or there's only foolishness, and it has to fit into one camp. But I, I, what I want to propose is this. Wisdom and foolishness are more like a spectrum. So there are things you can do that are fairly wise, and there are things you can do that are fairly foolish. But there are things that you can do that are extremely wise or extremely foolish. And I gave you a list of four that are extremely foolish. So if you do those now, that's, that's on you. That was just foolish. But we're thinking of a continuum. We're thinking of a spectrum. And so there are two statements I want us to keep in mind this morning that I think will help. Wisdom brings honor. Okay? If we agree to that, that's good. Wisdom brings honor. Foolishness brings shame. So here's what I want to do. Having thought of that, I want to ask us the challenging question. I I try to offer a challenge every week. I typically do it at the end. I'm doing it at the beginning. Who will you honor this week? That's the challenge. Who can you honor this week? So I'm going to do something vulnerable here, and uh, so if you haven't been paying attention, welcome back. It's great. Uh, Vulnerable moment here. I'm going to practice what I preach while I preach, and so I want to honor the relationships I'm a part of this morning, and there are three different relationships I want us to focus on this morning. So the first one is parents and children. This screen in front of me keeps shutting on and off, so if if I get a little frazzled, I apologize, but Just like that. Wow, that was brilliant. So uh, parents and children will be the first one. And I want to look at both sides of it. Children with parents, parents with children. Uh, The second one we'll look at will be marriage. And the third one will be friendships. And, And so we all fit into at least some of these categories. And we'll go from there. 
So parents and children, do you remember what the sixth commandment that God gave the Israelites through Moses was? I bet you could think of it. It's kind of part of the screen. Any ideas? Honor your parents. Good. Honor your father and mother. I was really fishing for it there. But you got it. It's the rain. I get it. I get it. Honor your father and mother. So my parents are here this morning. Uh, They're sitting back here with Lindsay. And uh, I, I don't see my parents nearly as often as we did when we were in Texas. Uh, but, but I want to tell you a story, two stories about my parents. One where I honor my parents and one where I'm somewhat foolish uh, once upon a time. So my parents had me in church every week as a kid. I was a church kid, and some of you have been the same way. But I was in a little church, several little churches, three little churches that we were a part of. And I didn't always like it, um, but my parents were very faithful at keeping me in these churches. And what these churches did was this. They gave me opportunities to lead songs and discover that that is not my skill set. <laughs> right? You're welcome. You need to thank those people that I didn't get up and lead singing this morning. I don't have an ounce of the skill that Alex does. Um, they gave me opportunities to say prayers frequently. Hard prayers sometimes. They gave me a chance to lead communion and those things. But more than anything, they gave me the chance to preach. You know, I was a 14-year-old kid who was up <laughs> the preacher for the morning. You know, you show up to church, if that's the case here, and, and you think, what did Jordan and Patrick do wrong? But in that church, it was the expectation that, that you know, if, if the guy's sick and somebody wants to do it, Jordan will do it. So there we go. The reason I'm preaching this morning is because mom and dad had me in church every week. And that's a tribute to them. So thank you guys. Now, I say that and then I bring up that I haven't always honored my parents. That sixth commandment's not always been easy. There was one time in particular that my parents will laugh at this. Back in high school, uh, my dad and I didn't see eye to eye on something. I don't know what it was. We didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things because I was an arrogant high school kid and (laughs) My dad was right, so, you know. So I don't remember what it was, but dad was telling me something. He was, he was standing up and telling me something, and, and he knew that if he backed down, if he let me win this, then it would be chaos. It wasn't worth it. And, and so my dad was yelling at me, and I was yelling at him, and my mom was off in the background just kind of weeping because this is not how a father and son need to act. Uh, and so, I don't know, if you, if you get the chance after church, my dad will stand up, and he's, you know, substantially shorter than I am, which, he's not all that short, he's just not as tall as I am. And so we were yelling, I have no idea what we were yelling about, but he would not back down. And so, you know, I walk up to him, and I, I do you know the phrase, bow up to somebody? It's when you, like, puff out your chest and you start yelling at him. And so I, I started pu- puffing out my chest, and I was looking down on my dad and telling him what, to th- what I thought and how I was right, like, just asking him to hit me. And he would never do that, so don't think my dad is a violent person. But I was daring him to do this. And so my dad couldn't have this anymore. He couldn't have his son looking down on me. So he walks over to a coffee table and stands up on top of the coffee table. <laughs> and starts looking down on me all of a sudden, which changed the dynamics of the argument completely. 
And I don't, I don't remember at all what the argument was about. I don't remember what was going on. I do remember that I went to camp or to somewhere for a couple days or for a week. And when I came back, I just remember the shame. You know, the shame of standing up to my dad and saying, what, what are you doing? Why would you do this to me? And, and, and the question was, why would I do this to him? This is my dad. Sometimes we are foolish, and we bring shame in these relationships. Proverbs 10, verse 1 says this. It says, A wise child makes a glad father, but a foolish child is a mother's grief. Proverbs 15, 20 says, A wise child makes a glad father, but the foolish despise their mothers. Proverbs 17, 25, Foolish children are a gift to their father. No, that can't be right. That cannot be right. Let's let's read this out of the Bible. (laughs) Foolish children are a grief to their father. A grift. (laughs) Tell you, sometimes this foolishness, it just doesn't wear off. Bitterness to those who, to her who bore them. I have two questions for us this morning. Two things that I want us to ask ourselves this week, because we're all a mixed bag. We're all a little bit foolish sometimes. Um, Ask yourselves, have I brought shame on my parents or my kids? Because this is a relationship both ways. Parents, you can shame your kids. You can bring shame on your kids. There there are some videos out right now of, of dads who tell their daughters that they're going to wear whatever their daughter wears, right? So you can just imagine some of the stuff that these dads are out wearing, the short shorts and the, the tight shirts for guys that, uh, it's just, it's awful. Uh, and bringing shame on their children. Now, if that's a proper parenting technique, I apologize for bringing that to light. But I, I don't know, it's, it's uh, a little bit strange. Have I brought shame on my parents or my kids? Uh, the second question is, how can I honor them now? How can I honor them now? In my house, we watch sports uh, pretty often. I want to brag on Micah for just a second. We watch sports, and when the national anthem is played, Micah Micah loves the pageantry of sports, so he gets up. He doesn't know the national anthem at all, but he knows Jesus loves me really well. (laughs) And so he'll stand up and put his hand on his, sorry about that, put his hand on his heart, and he'll sing at the top of his lungs, Jesus loves me. (laughs) Right? Like, how, could, how could a dad who's a minister be more proud? Like, I don't care if you never learn the national anthem. Keep doing that. It's fantastic. But we can shame our families as well. Get kicked out of school for cheating. Lose a job because of drugs or alcohol. Get, get involved with people that we know we shouldn't. Um, there's a story this past week, or not this past week, this past year, when the Ferguson riots were going on, there was a mom who goes into the mob, like only like a mother can. She walks into the mob, grabs her son by his collar, and just drags him out. And the news camera is following this, which is so much fun. But you can tell she's just laying it into her son. I do not want you to be a part of this. I do not want you to, to act this way. There's a, a story more recently uh, a couple weeks ago, when the Orlando massacre was happening, the dad of the shooter 
was on Good Morning America the following morning. And they are asking him, like, what are you feeling? And, and his only response was shame. Like, how did my son do this? How did this happen? So ask yourself this week, have I brought shame on my parents or my kids? And how can I honor them now? That's the first relationship. The second one is marriage. Now, there are two things uh, with marriage that I want us to, to recognize first. So the first thing is this. Proverbs 1, verse 8 points out that Proverbs is written to males. Here, my son, uh, your father's instruction, do not reject your mother's teaching. And so a lot of what happens in the book of Proverbs in regards to marriage is written to the male part of the, the male spouse, not to the female. But what we're looking at this morning, I think, is really dually applicable. So having said that, uh, just hear what this says. A good spouse brings honor, a bad spouse brings shame. And I would imagine for many of us, the idea of fidelity comes to mind immediately. So Proverbs chapter 5, verses 15 through 20 say this. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets. Let them be for yourself alone and not for sharing with strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, may she satisfy you at all times. May you be intoxicated always by her love. Why should you be intoxicated by another woman and embrace the body of an adulteress? Our conduct can clearly show whether we are concerned with bringing honor or shame upon our spouse. And fidelity is one of those areas. If something you're saying or doing is actively sabotaging your marriage, I I, I don't want to be unclear about this. If what you're saying or doing is sabotaging your marriage, you are being foolish. You are a fool. Now, this is one of those areas where the church has always stood firm. And it matters a great deal that we do. I know marriage can be hard, and there are days when your spouse will make you angry or make you cry or disappoint you greatly, but there is no justification for sabotaging your marriage. If you're struggling with deciding if you are a fool or not, here are a couple diagnostic questions for you. And these are just diagnostic. Ask yourself these questions, and you'll be able to tell yourself if you're a fool or not. When you talk about your spouse, are you honoring them? When you talk about your spouse, are you honoring them? And the second question is this. When you talk to your spouse, are you honoring them? Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Do you believe that? It should be evident in the way you talk. There's hope. There's room for growth for us. Proverbs 19.14 says, House and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. I would also add a prudent husband is from the Lord. Uh, And Lindsay will agree with that someday. Uh, (laughs) Listen, if you find yourself being foolish, if you find yourself answering those questions and saying you're foolish, I want to ensure you there is room for growth. Fools can become wise. There is hope. And I know Lindsay's feeling better hearing that. There is hope. But we have to be clear. We have to know that what we are doing is being wise. 
I told you I'd be vulnerable this morning, so, hey, Lindsay. <laughs> um, do you know what it is I love about Lindsay? She is a great teammate. Um, we've been married, this isn't the only thing, so if, you, if you're going to judge me after this, don't, don't believe that this is the only thing. We've been married nine years, and this, this month is our nine years uh, anniversary. We've been, we've both changed a lot throughout our marriage. You might not believe this about me, but when I, nine years ago, I was pretty spontaneous. Um, I know. See, see a whole section laughing over here. I don't, I was pretty spontaneous nine years ago. Um, Things didn't get to me. Uh, and, and I just brush things off, and, and that's changed quite a bit. Lindsay was very scheduled and very task-oriented, um, and she's kind of changed into the more spontaneous of the two of us while I've become tax, task-oriented and, and all of that. We've changed together, which has been great. Uh, it hasn't been in isolation. I was social. She was reclusive. Yeah, I know. I I wouldn't believe it either, but it's, it's the truth. We've switched roles. She, she takes me to social gatherings now, and I, I word that that way on purpose. Uh, she takes me to social gatherings. Uh, she decides the night before that we will go on an excursion, and so we do, and it's, it's her spontaneity at this point. I love that as I have changed, and I have changed a great deal, so has she, and the way that she has changed has always complemented the way I've changed. Uh, and so it's been great. Again, Proverbs 19:14: House and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. And I believe that my wife is from the Lord, and you can't convince me otherwise. Having said all that, marriage isn't perfect. And it's not perfect for any of us. And so this is the opportunity that I'm taking to plug our marriage conference that we're having coming up. If you're looking for wisdom on being a better spouse and adding some tools to your uh, marriage toolbox, uh, let me encourage you to sign up for the Reconnect event. And and I mean that seriously. This is an opportunity for us to grow in our marriages, to become more wise. Uh, And you can find all the advice you want on that on the website, so just go to our church website and figure that out. Whether you come to this event or not, though, why don't you ask yourself this question? This is a great question for us. Is what I am doing bringing honor to my spouse? If you can say yes to that, well done. And if you're not so sure, maybe that should help you refocus a little bit. Wisdom is bringing honor. Foolishness is bringing shame. Finally, if you haven't been able to sympathize or think through what it is to have a spouse or or if your parents are gone or if you're not a parent yet, Uh, any of those kind of things, this is the one that we all share in common because we all have friendships. We all have friends. And the way we select and treat our friends can bring honor or shame. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. If your friends are causing you to make foolish decisions, maybe you should reconsider your friendships. Maybe you should reconsider who you're spending your time with. Proverbs 17.9 says, One who forgives an affront fosters friendship, but the one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. Think about that for a minute. There's this beauty to letting things go, 
to letting things just kind of roll off your shoulder that creates and sustains friendships. And if you are unwilling to forgive, you will ruin a friendship. Wisdom and foolishness are clear here. Finally, Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, It is honorable to refrain from strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Do you have trouble keeping friends? Maybe it's because they're not looking for a fight. Church, the, the question that I think we need to ask ourselves in terms of our friendships is simply this. How can we honor our friends? How can we honor our friends? And I challenge you to do that this week. I challenge you to honor someone. Sometimes in our relationships, we can, bring, we can be foolish and bring shame into situations where it just does not belong. And this week, I encourage us, let's just choose to be wise. Let's think through our decisions. Let's choose to honor those we are in relationships with. If you start a new relationship this week with someone, choose to bring honor into it. Let's choose to be kind and gentle and full of grace. Let's choose to overlook flaws and appreciate what makes each of us unique. And let's be a blessing this week, especially in light of Jesus. Jesus is not in the Proverbs. These are not about Jesus. But when we look at Jesus, we see honor over and over again. He restores honor. He brings honor. He shows honor. I challenge you this week, let's do the same thing. Let's be a blessing to others. Dale.